0: Welcome to Crack the Customer Code, where your hosts, Jeannie and Adam, unlock
1: the secrets to keeping your customers happy and coming back for more.
2: Adam, you know it's a special guest when they are a repeat visitor on Crack the Customer Code, and today we have one of those guests.
1: Yep, hashtag repeat visitor. I don't know. Is that going to be a thing? You (laughs) think that'll trend, Jeannie? What do you think? No. I don't. (laughs) It's uh, no hope of trending at all. (laughs) Yes, but we do have one of our favorite guests. He is back. It is Michelle Falcone. And uh, Michelle is awesome because... him and i really bonded because we both have that real world kind of you know brick and mortar experience he him in the restaurant industry you know me in franchising uh, and by the way uh, florida is talking to you i don't know if you can hear it over the mic but the uh, end of the world is apparently happening right now so if you if you hear <laughs> thunder right. this is not riders on the storm this is just adam in florida oh that's uh, funny but we can't yeah. hear it <laughs> okay good well but michelle is um you know it's amazing right now because such a tough environment for restaurants and restaurateurs and restaurant staff. So you know he really opened up and just talked to us about like what they're facing, what's going on, what he's seeing in the industry. So I mean, yeah, I have a lot to say because he says it all.
2: He does. It's a really honest conversation, and I think it's an important one for everybody who cares about customer experience to. Really listen to and consider your operations and the future and how we're gonna serve each other uh, post this world that we're in or during this world, we're in, I guess. Uh, both. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So let me tell you a little bit about Michelle. Michelle Falcone is an entrepreneur, international keynote speaker, and author who leverages his people-first culture philosophy to create customer experience, employee engagement, and company culture strategies to grow businesses. He is the author of the best-selling book, People First Culture: Build a Lasting Business by Shifting Your Focus from Profits to People, and the creator of the Team Operating System online course. Michelle operates a portfolio of restaurants and venues in downtown Toronto. His venues have grown to earn tens of millions of dollars in revenue with more than 150 employees in less than two years by using the same strategies he's using, he's going to share with us today. He has been hired to advise companies like Subway, Verizon Wireless, Alfa Romeo, Electronic Arts, and many other globally recognized brands. He's been profiled in Business Insider, Entrepreneur, Inc., and other publications. Michelle, we're so happy that you're on the show. Thank
1: you so much for joining us again. And you for having me, as always. Uh, hey, Michelle. Great to hear your voice again. And- I am excited to jump in because I think you've got a lot to add to our, uh, the current state of the world. So let's first tell everyone a little bit about your background, which I think is super interesting because you're in this space with Genie and I, right? You're helping companies with employee and customer experience, but you also own and operate brick and mortar consumer facing businesses. So tell us a little bit about that background
0: so first off uh, you guys are at the forefront i'm in an orbit somewhere far far behind but um, (laughs) we we happen to talk about the same things uh Company culture, customer experience, employee engagement. Uh, those were things that I gravitated toward uh, early in my career. Uh, I now operate a portfolio of, of restaurants uh, in downtown Toronto and I leverage those same three topics to earn customer loyalty, uh, increase employee engagement and, and build a strong company culture and, and just you know, a a true business, Uh, you know, hopefully, uh, well, we aspire to build a business that is admired. And uh, up until COVID-19, everything was doing fantastic.
2: Hmm. Amazing how that affected so many, many, many things. But, you know, one of the things that you have done recently is a research report that was really fascinating. I just loved the way that you did that, so I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the report and and also kind of what inspired you to do that research, and then you know some of those key findings that you learned.
0: It, it was very well self-serving for self-serving reasons, <laughs> uh, to be honest, because we uh, we being my business partners and I. We're trying to strategize how are we going to come back and there were so many different use cases we looked at. uh, But then once we started talking about what is the state of our culture going to be like again, Um, who's going to come back, what are their expectations going to be. We had many conversations with our uh, former team and uh, in, in the ones that we had to furlough. But then I started asking more questions and then we surveyed 1,350 uh, employees across North America, not just in hospitality, but in, in, in name an industry and it was, um, there was a representative from that industry. And then we started looking at this data. And I said, I, I have to start sharing this with peers and colleagues. And then we formalized it into a report uh, with some best practices to help companies get through this, but then also help with their relaunch uh, when restrictions lift.
2: That's yeah. outstanding. And so what, what were some of the key findings that you think people want yeah. should know?
0: Yes. 60.4% um, said that they were going to go back to their former employer. Uh, that was uh, shocking to me because I would have thought that anybody would be happy to be employed. Mm-hmm. But once we, did some, once we did some more digging, we saw that some individuals said that, I no longer want to return to the industry I used to be in. I am going to go back to school or find another employer. We found that 89% of people did not want to go back to retail if they uh, were cow. showing retail. And oh. what we found, what was uplifting, though, is that we saw that there was a surge in people that wanted to join the healthcare industry. And then when we did some more digging, we found that the heroism of healthcare workers was really attractive to people, right? It's kind of like the new lawyer, right? They're the ones that are being highly regarded. Uh, we saw that there was an uptick in IT as well. Uh, but then in my industry, we saw that there was a huge um, the decrease in individuals that wanted to come back to hospitality. And then once we started doing some digging, I saw an opportunity. And, and often hospitality can be known as a very transient industry. I think everybody's had a hospitality job at some point in their career, perhaps. Uh, but that's the opportunity for when the industry comes back and saying, N- you don't just uh, work in this industry for tips. There's an opportunity to, to live a career here. Uh, but it's our opportunity to present that to them, so that they don't just live, you know, month over month.
1: Wow. Yeah. Well, so, and this report's fantastic. We're going to make sure that we link it at the, uh, you know, in the show notes and all of that, so you can check it out. Because I've actually read your report <laughs> all the way through. <laughs> Thank you. Can't say I've read every book of every author that's been on this show, but I read your report, <laughs> and it, it was such a great job. And one of the things, and I'm curious how this ties uh, to the. Uh, data you just got back on the hospitality industry, one of the things I found really interesting was the emphasis on safety in the workplace. Not surprising, just interesting. So tell us a little bit about what employees are expecting from a safety perspective as they return to their places of work, and do you think is that impacting some of these decisions to not return to certain industries?
0: Absolutely. So the things that you would think employees are expecting, such as PPE and proper social distancing, I think that's a given. But when we asked how likely are you to report your company to authorities for not abiding by social distancing or providing PPE when they are supposed to, 38.2% said absolutely that they would report their company. If you think of that from an operator's wow. perspective, I, I would hope that most operators are going to fly straight in this regard, right? Because mm-hmm. our, our employees, like our employees want to secure their livelihoods by coming back to work, but they also want to be safe, right? And, and I don't think one comes before the other. They, they have <laughs> yes. to live in harmony together, but I know some operators, and unfortunately, I believe some will try to, well, they may not try to not provide these things, they might not have the budget to do these things, right? To mm-hmm. buy plexiglass, to buy PPE, that comes with a cost. And I, and I don't believe that a lot of operators have budgeted for this because they can't even forecast their sales. Like right now, I don't know if I'm allowed to bring 25% back or 50% back. And for us to do any sort of financial modeling is, is they're all, we're dealing in, in hypotheticals here. And, right. and for, who knows for how long, right? Like we can, right. Like it's, it's, it's extraordinary. I, I thought hospitality or, you know, forget about hospitality, any industry before this, we had nothing to complain about in retrospect, right? Now it's, it's taking, it's taking, you know, we're having to flex a muscle that we never knew we had and it's really testing our operational ability, our empathy as well, because, you know, our employees are looking at us for leadership and decisions, right? And, and mm-hmm. who do we really have to look to? We we have to we have to be the ones that uh, make the hard decisions, and and that's what we sign up for. When you're a leader, is are those hard decisions? Right. Um, and and
1: yeah, yeah. And I don't know if there's a, a gap here between uh, Canada and the U.S. to some degree. Yeah, uh, you know, one thing I would add because you're 100, you know, you and I talk a lot. Uh, we both come from that sort of real world uh, retail uh, slash food service. Uh, so you, we've, you and I have had a lot of conversations about that so mm-hmm. the, the budget is obviously huge right how, how do you how do you allocate resources what do you invest in but I think here what we're seeing at least in the states, is there's a com- there's a lot of different perspectives on what the risk profile is it's not that they mm-hmm. don't want to invest for their employees they don't believe their employees are at risk right uh, there's a uh, so there's a there's a gap in attitudes and I think uh, I don't know. Are you seeing that there? Because there's a gap between you know the owners of a business and what the employees think are necessary for safety. Well, there's some
0: speaking to. I can only speak to my industry in my market, and there are some you no know, free-wheeling operators. I'll, are gonna suggest that don't worry about this, just come back to work. But Mm -hmm. that's not up to you to dictate somebody's emotions and and how they might um, have anxiety toward coming back to work. And those individuals will leave those companies very quickly and then the operator's left with hand in hat and and no team and then no customers to serve. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing that I spent the the large uh, majority of the day yesterday, Thinking about is what does what does customer service now look like, uh, what, especially when you're selling a premium product in in my industry. So if you're trying to sell a eighteen dollar cocktail, there's a certain type of romance that has to come with that. Mm-hmm. Right? And as the three of us know, a smile. There's right like just that alone. You can't position that smile as a value proposition when. You have a mask on, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what that is hard. the so this? I'm not suggesting that we would hug and embrace every single one of our customers, but we might have made them feel that way without actually the embrace. But now we can't even be, get anywhere close to them, you know, mm-hmm. with dividers. Like, how do you sell a premium product without that romance and? Mm-hmm. I had a very long day yesterday. I, I, you know, it's one of those days where you just collapse into bed because you've used so much mental energy trying to think of how are you going, how are we going to solve this? And this Mm -hmm. goes for hotels as well. Um, So it's interesting. And, and I, I do hope that, you know, operators and and leaders are thinking about these things um, and not just how are we going to get our revenue back, but Mm
2: -hmm. how are
0: we going to, Lead our team so that they too can help us bring back our revenue. It's interesting.
2: It's a it's a huge question, and I think one of the things that I've certainly witnessed on a very small scale, just in my little you know uh, town outside of Chicago, is that the employees are. Seen differently, and I think it's it's actually a positive of all of this because customers I'm seeing are really standing up for the employees that they care about. They mm-hmm. are, you know, donating to the GoFundmes for the restaurant staff. They're doing all sorts of things, and I think it's been um, it's been really heartwarming to see that. I mean, it's not going to solve everything, but I just think it's kind of. It's showing how important the connection is from exactly what you're talking about these little moments with employees and how much that means to people, and that they respect not only the experience that they have there, but the employees that give it to them. So, are you seeing that with your restaurants as well?
0: Well, we haven't been able to we haven't been able to serve anyone yet. Mm-hmm. However, I I agree with you. Uh, without seeing it firsthand, I, I think the sentiment toward quote unquote servers or waitresses is going to change you know are you going to be really upset that your guacamole didn't come as quickly as you expected it to (laughs) right or if they got that order wrong Mm -hmm. um but it might also extend to um flight attendants as Mm -hmm. well you know anybody that's of service maybe we'll have you know the sentiment will change um i would agree with that I, I would hope yeah. that, yeah, that, that hope that's, so the Canadian, that's the Canadian, that's <laughs> the perhaps <laughs> <added> the Canadian <laughs> in me. Well, I'll
1: add a, I'll add a layer because you mentioned flight attendants. Um, I think part of what will help it change is one, just the attitudes that you and Jeannie are talking about. But it's also going to be incumbent in, in your case or in a small business owner's case on the owner to create an environment where the customer feels safe. Because I'm thinking about flight attendants. Like as soon as you said that, I was like, eh, I don't know if that's going to be as easy. Because people are so people are when you take people that are already stressed Mm -hmm. and make them more and put them in a situation where they're more stressed, Mm -hmm. uh, usually good things do not follow. Not of course that's a broad brush. I'm just talking percentages. So, but I I think I see the changes too. I see the like just more tolerance, right? More understanding. More like, hey, you're doing this for me. You're bringing this to my house. You're Mm -hmm. you're at work. I mean, I went to Whole Foods back when everything started, and I was just like, thank you all for what you're doing. Yeah. Right? I mean, I can't remember the last time I thanked the, you know, I always say thank you just like right. thank you. But like I sat there, and like looked him in the eye, and was like, thank you. You're awesome. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would agree. I think, I think it's changing, but I think we're going to, we also just also need to remember that people are stressed mm-hmm. and to try to relieve it.
0: I had that moment at the grocery store um, probably several weeks ago. To your point, Adam, I've always said thank you right. But have I stopped looked them dead in the eye and said, thank you. And, and had a complete sentence after, right. For your right. efforts <laughs> or for your efforts or for working so hard and, and so forth. Right. And you can tell that that resonates. Right. Um, oh, but yeah. it's, it, it it's, it's very, it's, it's going to be interesting. And with our industry, um, it's going to be, I don't want to sound too be too pessimistic on the podcast, but um, (laughs) hospitality globally will be a graveyard three to six months after these uh, regulations lift, because Mm -hmm. my prediction, and, and this isn't one that serves me well, is that once customer, once we're able to go back, we will go back with enthusiasm for the most part. Some people will still be reserved and, and won't be comfortable yet. But for the most part, people will be anxious to go to their favorite restaurant. But I don't think they're going to recognize their favorite restaurants. Mm-hmm. And then they'll, they'll go, maybe they'll get a mediocre experience. Not any fault of the operator. It's just a fact of how, the environment today. And then they'll try another restaurant perhaps, have the same mediocre experience. And then eventually they're going to realize, I don't know if I want to spend my money this way. And I do right. see there being perhaps uh, an increase in um, curated events where you might host a dinner party now and have an at-home chef. So you may hire a chef from that favorite restaurant that you had, and they'll create some sort of supply chain or some sort of demand, uh, like opportunity to that uh, for that to happen. Because now – Adam and Jeannie, you can control the experience that you used to love at your favorite restaurants. Now, that sounds like a lot of effort. And it, it, very, it, it is in comparison to just showing up on a Friday night and having your meal and, and being served. Mm-hmm. But I, the experience is not going to go back to what it used to be and what you are comfortable paying for um, right. for a while. And that's what had me scratching my head yesterday, saying, how do we, in good faith, charge the same prices Mm
2: -hmm. with
0: an experience that is not the same. And I cannot be convinced that it can be the same because for us, we're going to have to have, we're going to have to have separation between booths and, you know, close proximity to guests sometimes builds up that ambiance and that energy in the room.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we can't really have that. Uh, well, that's a great. It's a great point, though. It's. it's, it's I hope uh, I'm sorry. wrong, Please, no, to the no, record no, I, I hope I'm wrong. I'll <laughs> say this: so uh, I was supposed to. We were supposed to go to New York, uh, and something I've been uh, promising my spouse for years, uh, and we have not done it. Uh, she's basically never been other than for a work trip. Uh, so we were planning to go to New York in a few months for her birthday, and we obviously canceled it. And one of the things I said to her because she she was not happy, I was like, "The New York that you wanted to go to." doesn't exist right now right right it doesn't exist it doesn't exist that that new york is not a thing uh it will be one day uh and to to your point michelle that's going to be the way it is with restaurants but i i have the utmost confidence that if anyone can figure out how to make it an experience and to to work through the guardrails and the impediments and create an amazing restaurant experience uh you can so i i I, I have the utmost faith you're gonna i appreciate that overcome
0: we're we're trying real hard. And, and speaking of New York, Danny Meyer, somebody who believes mm-hmm. in ca- uh, customer experience, has said that he might not open his restaurants until a vaccine's available because he doesn't yeah. want to, ho- I, I'm paraphrasing, but he doesn't right. want to throw a party with a half the room full. Right. So yeah, I read that see. same thing. Yeah, I right? thought that was
2: interesting too. And I think um, one of the restaurants here that people might know, Alinea, uh, which is Yo, of course. you know, incredibly well known they are doing these amazing takeout meals right now. And people are really taking advantage of them because a lot of people who couldn't access the restaurant, they can access these meals because there are different price points and everything else. And I just thought that was really interesting because Alinea is so well-known and so uh, you know high-end that Mm -hmm. when I first heard that, I was like, wow, that's surprising. But I just thought it was a great example of kind of trying new things and people are really responding. So I think you're right to think through the experience. And I totally agree with Adam that- if anyone can do it, you can, and I think I that we're going to watch a really interesting evolution in your industry.
0: We are, and I'm looking forward to the challenge. It uh, it's definitely going to. We have our work cut out for us.
1: For sure. Well, <laughs> uh, first of all, thank you so much. Thank you not only for being here; it's your second time on the podcast, but yeah, you know, for really sharing the lens of an operator and your transparency. We super appreciate it. So please tell our listeners one where they can find you, uh, where they can find the research report, anything you want to say.
0: Yeah. Follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, First and last name, um, M-I-C-H-E-L, and then Falcon like the bird. And if you connect with me on LinkedIn, I can DM you the report directly.
1: Perfect. Awesome. Well, right, thank
2: well, you so much for joining us. Yeah, it was such a pleasure and and all of our best wishes and luck to you as you, as you face these challenges. But uh, let us know if we can ever support
1: you. We're happy to do so.
0: Jeannie, Adam, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Michelle.
1: So, you know, Jeannie, one of the things when we're doing the podcast, and it, it can be a challenge, is just trying to advise devoid of context,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: It's trying to distill principles and ideas and things that can be hopefully universally applicable, but not everything is universally applicable. And what I think was super refreshing about this conversation was, you know, I mean, I I put the word, we've talked about this a few times. I put the word real world in the title of my book for a reason, like coming from that lens, just seeing, you know, how hard it is to execute in this environment, how hard Mm -hmm. the decisions are, the challenges are, what, you know, the different uh, risk reward propositions and considerations that have to be done. And I think, uh, you know, Michelle was really transparent with uh, us and the audience. And I I think it's as much as all the valuable information, I think it's also a lens into, you know, this stuff isn't easy.
2: Right. Right. And I think, you know, we talked about how sometimes this is about when you're a leader, (laughs) part of, part of that role is making those really difficult decisions, but that means weighing all these different ideas and what are the pros and cons and what are the consequences of those things And I think he was really um, honest and forthright about some of those decisions that they're really being asked to make that nobody predicted anybody would have to make. And so it's a it's it's something that I think this lens, This is something anybody can really use in their business and really think about the customer experience and the employee culture and how we can move forward.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know what, Jeannie? Here's the real world. The real world (laughs) is we have to close out every episode. We can't just keep talking. Really? It's sad. I mean, it's sad. We could just
2: fade to black. Just keep talking
1: (laughs) and then (laughs) exactly. We'll do that.
2: Well, hey, you know what we love? We love conversations. We love hearing from you. So if you thought this episode was valuable, first of all, please share it. Share it on LinkedIn and tag us and we'll have a conversation about it because we think it's really important and valuable. So we hope you do too. I'm Jeannie Walters. You can learn more about me and our journey mapping program, CX training and speaking at experienceinvestigators.com.
1: And about Madden Report, you can learn about all of our virtual offerings, training, keynote speaking, webinars, you name it, at customers that stick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers.